Good evening to you. It is a great day. It's the Lord's Day. I know you are excited once again to be part of worshiping uh, the great Creator in spirit and in truth. John 4, John chapter 4 this evening, we'll be reading about an incident in the life of Jesus and then draw a few lessons uh, from this incident. This is uh, kind of early in the life of Jesus, and so we'll just uh, simply read without much comment and then draw some lessons that will help us. John 4, beginning in verse number 46 is where we'll be. John 4, beginning in verse 46, down through 54. Here we go. John 4, 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. And when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. We will simply draw a few lessons from this great incident in the life of our Lord. First of all, I want us to see that there is Jesus who is absolutely uh, great. Jesus is great. We see here that Jesus is a great miracle worker, but I want you to think about the word great for a second. Back in Luke chapter 1, 32, 33, 34, 35, remember Gabriel appeared to Mary about having Jesus and Gabriel said, he shall be great and he shall be called the son of the most high. Jesus the great. We see him here uh, at this incident uh, too. Jesus the great. And notice that he is a great miracle worker. He's a great miracle worker. Notice John adds here that this is the second sign that Jesus had done in Cana of Galilee, the first being water to wine. But don't think that's the only miracles that Jesus had been doing. If you let your Bible go back to John 2, verse number 23. Notice in John chapter 2, 
in verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing there. So Jesus had been working miracles, not just in Cana of Galilee, but also in Jerusalem and other places. Jesus, the great miracle worker, is presented to us uh, here. We recall John saying in John chapter 20, verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. And then notice that last statement of John, John 21, 25. It said that if you were to record all that Jesus did, then the world could not contain the books uh, that would be written about that. These that are written were selected by God for our distinct uh, pleasure and our distinct uh, faith. But there were many other signs that Jesus did, many other wonderful works uh, that he did. And it, we wouldn't have time to even read those during a whole lifetime. And so we see Jesus, the great miracle uh, worker. We also see here Jesus, the great missionary, because he is going to build the faith here of an official. This official who's coming from Capernaum was likely an official at Herod's uh, palace. And yet Jesus would reach out. We see Jesus being a missionary to government officials. We see Jesus working among publicans and sinners. We see Jesus working among women and children. We see Jesus reaching out to a father here like he does. We see Jesus among military leaders. We see Jesus reaching out to the poor. Uh, we see Jesus everywhere reaching, trying to reach young, old, and everybody in between because indeed he is the savior of the world. And then we think about Jesus the great, the great missionary, the great miracle worker, but he's also a great teacher He's a great teacher. And notice here in John 4 that this man is going to grow in his faith. Notice John 4, verse 50, it says, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke. But then later notice when he got home and he inquired about what hour the sun began to get better, then uh, they told him, and it says he believed. He believed again, not that he believed for the first time, but that he continued to grow uh, in his faith. Okay. Notice verse 53, he himself uh, believed. So Jesus is a great teacher. He's going, he was a teacher who could lead someone from small faith uh, to greater faith. I used to say that, that uh, you're not really teaching until someone else is learning but uh, we need to revise that. Uh, we're not really teaching until you're, the other person is growing in their personal faith. Okay? We haven't really done our job in teaching until the other person is, is growing to the same level of faith that we have and maybe even outgrowing us uh, in faith. We refer back to the statement we referred to this morning from John 4:42, when uh, the Samaritan people told uh, the woman at Jacob's well said, so we, we believe now, not because of what you've been saying to us, but we have heard for ourselves and we do know that Jesus is the Savior who has come into uh, the world. 
And that's the idea. That's, that's the goal of teaching. That's the goal of everything that we do. All right. So first lesson here is to notice once again uh, Jesus the Great. Jesus the Great. Our second lesson is to understand there is hope for increased faith. There is hope certainly for increased uh, faith. Now faith does start out small. It does start out small. And this man's faith starts out small. In fact, one time in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus uh, said, Our faith is like a grain of mustard seed. Very small. Very small. But it can grow. It can grow. And that's, that's the hope. You see, God, through His Word, He plants the seed of faith in our hearts. And then as we continue to follow Him, He helps us to increase uh, that faith. We read in Luke 17, verse 5, that Jesus' disciples came to him and, and said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. You know, that's similar to their request. I think it's back in Luke 11 where they said, uh, help us to pray. They had watched Jesus pray. They had watched Jesus depend upon the Lord. They had watched him move with such precision in the will of God that they wanted to increase in their faith. It's very possible, you see, to increase in faith. There's hope uh, for that. It's interesting to jump back to John 2, 11 and notice that after Jesus turned the water to wine that his disciples believed, it says there. His disciples believed. Well, that's not the first time they had believed. They've been following Jesus for a while, so they believed initially, or they would not have been following him. But it just simply means that as they observed him, as they watched him, their faith was able uh, to grow. We read in, in Hebrews eleven twenty nine that by faith the children of Israel crossed uh, the Red Sea. They, they had faith as Moses led them across on dry ground. But we also read... In, as I jump back to Exodus uh, 14 about this very time, we read in Exodus uh, 14 in verse 31, that Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. This was after they were now across the Red Sea. So Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. And so the people feared the Lord and they believed uh, in the Lord. Uh, and in his servant Moses. You see, they grew in their faith. They grew in their faith. As they, as they launched out to walk across that dry land, they had to have faith. But after all that was accomplished, then they had greater faith. They had greater faith. They walked by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, We walk by faith. There's an encouragement in Scripture in 1 Peter 2. Verse 3, I think it is, taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay. And so they begin to walk. This man here in our story in John 4, he began to go and inquire of the Lord uh, to see that he is good. There's the hope of increased faith. You see, if we don't grow physically, then we know that something is wrong. When a little child is, is young and 
and his or her body is small, if they don't grow uh, physically, then we know something is going wrong. It's the same thing spiritually. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2, that as newborn babes, we are to long for the spiritual milk whereby we can grow spiritually before our God. And something is wrong if we're not growing spiritually and growing in our, in our faith. You see, Not only is it wrong, we are unprepared for life. We're, we're, it's as if we're just naked and we're, we're not prepared for the trials of life. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, that as he was writing to the Corinthians, he said, he said I have much more I want to write to you, but, um, but you are still babes. You're, you are yet carnal. You're still worldly-minded. You, you're, you're not growing in your faith. And so you cannot bear them right now. And so it hinders us greatly if we're not growing in our, in our faith. So there is the hope of increased faith. And we learn that here because this man... This man uh, in John 4, this dad who has a sick son, he doesn't know much about Jesus at all, but, but, but by the time this is over, he is going to have some great faith. Okay. There's a hope of increased faith. Third lesson, third lesson is to see the stages of faith as we look at John 4 here. Going back to John 4, look at this man's uh, situation. Look at his experience and notice, if you will, the different stages of faith. I'll just label these. You could label them probably in a better way. But I'll label these stages, one, two, three, uh, four, and five. I think stage one for this man is desperation and incompleteness. He was desperate and incomplete. That is, his son was sick. At the very point of death, he was very desperate. Evidently, nobody else could help him. And so he heard that Jesus was coming from Judea back toward Galilee. And so he said, why not? Why not? The original language here points out that the man really hated to leave. And you can put yourself there easily. He, he didn't want to leave the side of his son, even to go get help. But he basically had to force himself to do that because his situation was so very desperate, you see. And so desperate and incomplete. I say that his faith is incomplete because when he gets there, he says to Jesus, come down and my son is very sick. He doesn't yet know that Jesus doesn't have to be there to heal his son. He doesn't yet know that, that Jesus can just as easily he can just as easily heal his son remotely. He, can, he has a, the ability of long-distance miracles. Okay, he doesn't yet know that. So stage one is that uh, his faith is, is um, desperate and incomplete. Uh, stage two is that his faith is sincere and focused because Jesus will say to him, unless you see signs and miracles, then you won't believe. He said... Lord, my son, Lord, my son. It's as if Jesus is testing him and seeing if he's really sincere or is this just some kind of curious adventure that he's on. But, but he pleads for his son. He's very focused on what, what he needs Jesus to do for him. 
And so the second stage is that he's focused and sincere. Sincere. Third, third part of his faith, stage number three, is that uh, he has a belief and he has peace. Verse 50, verse 50. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. And the man went on his way. He doesn't beg after Jesus. He doesn't start crying after him, saying, you know, Lord, no, 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 don't go away. I, I need you at my house. I need you to come with me. No, he calmly believes, and then he goes his way. I think that's interesting. So stage three is belief and peace. Stage four is what I would label meditation and curiosity, stage four, because he goes back home, and it's obvious that he's thinking much about Jesus and what has occurred. And when he gets there, he begins to inquire, what hour did he start getting better? And they said, well, it was the seventh hour yesterday, which was the exact time that Jesus said, your son is well, your son is recovering. And so stage four would be meditation and curiosity or meditation and inquiry. And then you notice here that he believes and then so does all his household. So stage five is caring and sharing. Caring and sharing. Faith does not come all at once. Okay. Faith doesn't come all wrapped up in a neat little package. It comes in stages. You can't just jump to the caring and sharing, stage five caring and sharing. We must go through these processes. We must, we must go through the curiosity stage we must go, we must be desperate for Jesus, understanding how desperate we are in our, in our sins. We must be focused and sincere. We must believe and peacefully accept uh, what Jesus says. We must inquire. We must meditate. And then we get down to the caring and sharing because not only did he believe, but he, he shared what he learned about Jesus with his household. The caring and sharing. And so notice the stages of faith. Right? And a fourth lesson is to notice that and understand that God is not limited by distance. This is one thing, this is one huge part of this man's faith. That he didn't know just how marvelous and powerful God indeed is. God doesn't have to be there to heal uh, someone. We... Remember another official mentioned in Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. This was a, a centurion, and he had a servant who was paralyzed and suffering greatly. And he came to Jesus and told him all about the situation. And Jesus said, okay, I'm coming. I'll go. The military man, the centurion, said right there in Matthew 8, he said, no, Lord, you don't have to come. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just say the word, and he can be healed. And then he goes on to explain. He said, Lord, I have a little bit of authority. You have great authority, but I have a little bit of authority being a centurion. I, I can tell people to go and they'll go. I can tell people to come here and they'll come here. And so you just say the word and it will be done. And that's when Jesus said there in Matthew 8, I have not found so great faith, no, not even 
in Israel have I found so great faith. You see, that centurion, centurion of Matthew 8, he believed in the power of God. He believed that God was not limited by distance. We also remember in John chapter 1, uh, 46 or so, that, that um, Philip went and got his friend Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. And, and uh, Nathaniel said, Well, how is it that you know me? He said, I not only know you, but I saw you earlier when you were sitting under that fig tree. Yeah, I saw you there. And then that's when Nathaniel confessed and said, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You're the Holy One. See, We learn here and we're impressed once again that God is not limited by a distance. That ought to mean quite a bit to us when we're separated from our loved ones. We can honestly, sincerely pray to, to God to take care of them because God can take care of them when they're away from home, when they're separated from us. We can sincerely and honestly pray to God to take care of our mission efforts or our missionaries who, who are on the other side of the country, who are, who are across the seas and foreign lands and, and who knows where. Well, God's not limited by distance. He can take care of them. He can be with them. <clears throat> Joseph was sold into slavery, ends up way away from home, way over in Egypt or way down in Egypt. And God was with him. Daniel was taken away into Babylonian captivity. And even though far away from his homeland, in amongst a, a new culture, a new society, foreign gods, yet he remained faithful to God and God was with him. I remember reading, and you do too, 2 Kings chapter 5, and how that... Um, Naaman was um, oppressed with leprosy. And there was a little Israelite servant girl there who had been captive, taken captive in some war. And she was just serving there amongst that household. And she spoke up about this prophet who uh, could probably come and, and, and help with your leprosy. There she, God was, she maintained her faith in God and God was with her far away from home. God's not limited by distance. If we wanted to take the time, and certainly it'd be good for any of us to do, why don't you do this before you go to bed tonight? Read Psalm number 139 and be impressed with how that God is so uh, magnificent. He is so broad and wide and, and ever-seeing and all-powerful in all of His ways. So God is not limited by distance. And then the next lesson uh, for us from this incident in the life of Jesus, John 4, is to be able to distinguish between the means and the end. You see, when this man comes to Jesus, Jesus says something curious. I think it's about verses 48 and 49 of John 4. Almost out of the blue, almost random, Jesus looks at the man who's just concerned about his son at the point of death. And Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you, you won't believe. Okay. Well, see, Jesus knew something about people. John 2, 24 and 25 says, Jesus 
knows what is in man. He knows what's in us. He knows our tendencies. Okay? He knows our weaknesses. We have a tendency to focus on the means and forget about the end. See, Turn your Bibles to John 6 for a minute and look at verses 25 and 26. Jesus, again, the great miracle worker. Uh, he had fed thousands of people with um, loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And uh, but notice what it said here, uh, John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. You see, the miracles were not to be about the miracles. The miracles of those first days were to point to something deeper. They were, as Mark 16, 20, 19 and 20 teaches, they were to confirm the word. They were to impress us, impress the crowds, impress everybody, to the point to where you would want to listen to the one doing the miracle, especially Jesus. The miracles weren't about themselves. They were about what was being said, what was being taught. Okay. Jesus well knew, just like this crowd who had followed Jesus and found him on the other side of the sea here in John 6, they, they weren't following Jesus because he had done signs. They, just, they, had, they were following him because he had fed them earlier and perhaps he'll do something else like that, you know. They just wanted to depend on him day to day. The miracles were not meant to be a, a barn uh, that continues to feed our faith, but rather they pointed to something deeper, deeper. Remember in John 20, 28 and 29, the occasion when Thomas wanted to see the very scars of Jesus, the very hole uh, in his side where he had been pierced, Jesus showed it to him. And you looked at Thomas and he said, Now you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. There you go. There you go. Some in Jesus' day, instead of understanding the purpose of the miracles, they were getting caught up in the miracles and in the show, in what they might get that day from the latest thing that Jesus had done, and they were not letting that lead them to the deeper spiritual faith that they could uh, acquire from, from these incidents, from, from these miracles, from the man who was doing the miracle. You see. The same thing can happen to us. You know, we have the Bible because of miracles. The Bible's result of the great providence of God and the miracles contained in it. We have the Bible, but if we just read the Bible for the sake of knowledge, then we're getting caught up in the means and, and don't get to the end. The end is that we're supposed to develop a, a strong personal faith in God Almighty. Okay. Same thing with church. Okay. The church is a result of learning the Bible, but if we just get caught up in church gatherings and <clears throat> in church procedures, okay, 
And we're getting caught up in the means nothing in the end of scripture, the end of God's goodness, the end of scripture, the end of God's goodness, the the reason for us to being together is so that each of us can acquire and can obtain a, a more personal, deeper faith in, in the Lord Jesus ourself. And you say, well, then how does the church grow? Well, easy. When, if that happens, the church grows. Okay. I'm not making that up. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 16, it builds itself up in love. See, that's what Ephesians 4, 16 says. When everyone involved is seeking to have a very mature, vibrant level of faith, then the church itself builds itself up. Because we want to be more like the Lord in our faith. And if we're like the Lord in our faith, then we'll do what the Lord says to do. And it all kind of takes care of itself. But it, it, we can't get, we, we've got to be able to distinguish between the means and the end. Where we want to be with the Lord. Next lesson is to remember that faith is a decision. Faith is a decision. This man had to decide whether he was going to believe. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Will he continue to beg after him? Will he fail in his faith? Will he, will he say, no, you've got to come down, you've got to touch him? I heard what you did with the water, the wine, you were there, you've got to be here. He's, you know, it's a decision. There has to come a time in our life where where we believe. Now, understand, we're not forgetting everything we've said, that faith is, comes through stages, right? Okay. But at some point, we've got to believe that the Lord is who He claimed to be so that we can come through these stages of growth. The TKO, I, I truly believe in the TKO, trust, knowledge, and obedience. Okay. Those are all three major parts of faith. We we learn to trust God through the knowledge we gain of Scripture, and through that trust and knowledge, we see that we must do what God says us to, tells us to do. But at some point, we have to decide: Am I going to believe? You let your eyes go up to John four, forty-one, back to Samaria. Jesus was spending some time now in Samaria. He has come there to that village. And when he spoke, they believed his word. They believed his word. Faith is a decision that we make. At some point, we must decide. We must decide. Going back just for a moment, <clears throat> combine this with our belief that, that God is not limited by distance. Okay. Do I believe that if I leave this life, that God will take care of me? Do I believe that if a loved one leaves this life, God not being limited by distance, do I believe that they're not only fine and dandy, but in a better condition, better shape? Do I believe? Jesus explains in John 11 to Martha, that he is the resurrection and the life. And then he asked her the question, do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? 
She said, yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. So you, faith is a decision. And our final lesson is that peace can be the result. I guess I, I'm taken more by this. This man's son, and he's, he's traveled 16 to 20 miles. Again, think about that in the distance here. About 16, 20 miles he's, he's traveled. He's, he's in a desperate situation but once he believes, then there seems to be a peace that comes upon his soul. He goes his way. He travels back home. He knows his son is well. He inquires at what hour he began to get well. And there seems to be just a peace uh, in his heart. We do know this. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4 says that the Lord will keep us in perfect peace if we keep our mind on Him. And this fellow's mind seems to be fixed on the Lord Jesus. And why not? The great miracle worker, the great missionary, the great teacher has come and impacted uh, your life. And He can do the same for us as well. Do you believe? Do you believe? Simple question. Do you believe this? Do you believe the claims of Jesus? Do you believe the Bible is his word? Do you believe in the reality of sin? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day? Do you believe in the promises of Jesus? Do you believe that he does extend forgiveness of sins to us? Do you believe in the power of of his blood? Do you believe in the goodness of our Lord? Do you believe that the most important thing that you can do for somebody else is to share the gospel with them? Do you believe in eternal life? Do you believe that heaven is a glorious place where we get to serve the Lord right there at his throne forever and ever? Do you believe? Stage five, faith. Would you come this evening to Jesus? Come right now as we stand, as we sing together.